Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just Around the Corner. I'm Dan and Dave here on 4680 Q Niagara's Internet Radio Downtown, Niagara Falls, Ontario. We've reached our 20th episode. I can't believe we're on our 20th episode already. Feels like just yesterday when we got this dog and pony show kicked off back in February, I think it was. Holy cow, it's been a long time. And to celebrate our 20th episode, we have a member of one of Canada's best bands, Don Schmidt of the Northern Pikes is with us. He's on the line. He's waiting right now on the line in Regina, Saskatchewan. Wow, that's a first for us. So out west and here in Canada, he's waiting and we'll have him on in just a few minutes. Now, we might have some Pike fans. I saw some people liking Don's post, so uh, you're new to the show. And anybody else that's listening in that hasn't listened before, uh, what I do every week is uh, I try to uh, bring on a guest, an artist, or a host uh, from one of the Light of Day shows, either in down in Asbury Park or here in Canada, and we talked to them about what they've been up to, how they got started in the music biz, their time with Light of Day, how they got involved with Light of Day, and so on. So it's been great. Uh, we've had some really, really interesting guests uh, along the way, and uh, you know, one of my one of my favorites was my son a couple of weeks ago on his 19th birthday. We had a great time. Uh, he's been involved in Light of Day for a long, long time, right from the beginning here in Canada. So that was fun, and. Next week's guest, we just confirmed that we have a special doubleheader, the two Jakes. That's right. The first half of our show will be Jake Thistle, a good friend of ours and a phenom from down in the New Jersey area, Asbury Park and down on the shore. He plays all over the place. He's only 19. He's got a new record out. Going to talk about that and his involvement in Light of Day, and he's doing a lot uh, down there. So I want to... Uh, we only got a half hour, so we'll have to try to fit that all in. And the second half of the show, our good friend and an amazing songwriter, Mr. Jake Matheson from Minnesota. Two great singer-songwriters, one great show. That's next Tuesday at 4. And for those of you, uh, again, just tuning in for the first time, it's every Tuesday at 4 o'clock. But you can also catch our podcast. If you missed any of them, you can catch them uh, on Spotify. Just search just around the corner right here, 4680Q. Com. You can catch, uh, just look under podcast and you'll find my lovely mug. Just click on there and you can see the other uh, shows that we've done so far. And then the final interview for July will be a local band, uh, one of our favorites. Uh, they've, they've got a new album coming out, and they're going to perform Light of Day for the first time. Jen, we got Joe, Nicole, and our buddy Miles coming into the studio. We're going to talk about the new album, Light of Day, and more. Now, before I bring Don on the show... Uh, I want to kick things off with a, a song that I know you all know, but just recently I realized that uh, they've got a new album out, and it's called "Time After" or sorry, "Time to Time," but it's actually uh, the album uh, "Snow in June" done acoustically. Not the entire album, most of the album, and three new songs. It's fantastic. I I delved into a lot of the different Pikes music this week, and I do have some, you know, from the old DJ days, uh, which I'll talk about after, but uh, I started playing all the catalog, and this album, I think I played it three or four times, and I kept saying, stop, you got to play, you know, get to get to know some of the other songs that you don't know, but this album just really captured me, and uh, I really wanted to start the show off with a song, like I said, that I know you guys all know, but it was redone uh, in one of the interviews. Uh, somebody called it reimagined, which I really like that term. Uh, the uh, songs were reimagined, redone uh, acoustically and in a, a totally different format. And I really, really love this album. I suggest you go to Spotify and check out Time to Time. 
This one's called Girl with a Problem, and we'll be back right after this with Don Schmidt from the Northern Pikes. Something extra to take it all the way Say love can conquer all And man, I wish it were true She's a girl with a problem And there's nothing I can do Nothing I can do You can bang your head Against a brick wall You can lack her Humpty Dumpty But you can't prevent a fall Well, a bang, bang, bang And there's nobody home She's a girl with a problem And she won't the love or like button. I want to 
push it on that one. I love, love that version. That was the Northern Pikes with an acoustic version of their smash hit, Girl with a Problem, from their new album, Time to Time. You're listening to Just Around the Corner on 4680Q, Niagara's Internet Radio Station. I'm Dan and Dave with a very special guest on the line, fresh off of playing the halftime show at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders game last Thursday, which they won. Light of Day Kingston alumni, the drummer of the Northern Pikes, entrepreneur and a member of the Western Canadian Music Hall of Fame, currently on the line from Regina, Saskatchewan. Please welcome Mr. Don Schmidt. Don, you there? Hey, Dave. How you doing? Great, great, great. I, I know I told you before and I told you on a text, but I, I just fell in love with that album. It's... it's uh, it's right up my alley. I just I love that Americana rootsy bluegrass kind of sound and it's just a just an excellent album. Well, thanks. It's certainly very different for the Pikes as most uh, yes. fans will know. It it's definitely got a unique acoustic feel like you say, you know. Well, I'm a, I'm a big Poco fan and it really got I you know I saw that you, you know there's the Dobro on there and the mandolin yeah. and all of that sound and it just yeah it really really struck me. I love all your music, but that one there that album it just uh, it's go, it's going to be on the player for a while. I got I'm going to I'll be ordering the vinyl soon cuz I'm a vinyl holic, so I'll be I'll be getting that soon. <laughs> and we do have marble colored vinyl and they're all and they're very unique. Each one is almost completely different than the other one so it's uh oh really it's a one-of-a-kind purchase the vinyl for sure oh that's cool because i i saw uh, i think it was kevin on, on a, a i was watching an interview and kevin lifted it up and he pulled it out and yeah the interviews mm-hmm. and yeah i mean I, I love that folks are doing the color but the that's different that each one is unique that's interesting yeah yeah very different so you're in regina right now you don't live in regina i, I did a I, I did a lot i love the one part about this job that I like is the research and learning about all our guests and, you know, even guys that I know really well, I learned so much. So I thought for some reason that you out of all the guys were located here in Ontario, but you're not, but you don't live in Regina. You're just there right now. Yeah. My wife is from Regina and I'm from Saskatoon and the Pikes are from Saskatoon originally. Right. I knew that. Although we are split up across the country from basically one ocean to the other. Brian and Kevin are in uh, Nova Scotia, and oh, Brian's wow. in Lunenburg, and Kevin's in uh, near the western shore there, just um, near Mahone Bay, where we actually recorded time to time, very close to there. So, oh, And wow. I'm out in Harrison Mills, B.C., which is just in the Fraser Valley, about an hour east of Vancouver. And Jay Semko, he's still a Saskatonian. Yeah. Saskatonian, <laughs> Saskatonian. I like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I knew you guys, I knew the, the band was uh, from Saskatoon. I just, I don't know why, something in, in me, because I know you played Light of Day Kingston, I thought the, somebody was local, but I, I guess not. You, you all have to fly in for shows. Yeah, well, actually, Brian did live in uh, Toronto area for about, um, like, 20 years, roughly. Oh, man. From about, right when we did Snow and June, we recorded that album in the fall of 1989. Right in Bearsville, New York, just in, uh, near Woodstock, which is just outside of Manhattan, and um, Brian stayed there for about twenty years, roughly, and then he moved out to Lindenberg, and he just loves it out there. Well, it is really nice. It's the Blue Nose Two. It's the home of where the Blue Nose Two uh, docks. So it's it's beautiful, Lindenberg. We love it there. Well, that's great. So when you're heading back home. Uh, in about a couple of weeks, my daughter's coming from Australia. She's literally on the flight right now with uh, her two sons, which are my grandsons now, and her partner. And so they're they're coming for a couple of weeks' visits. So it worked out perfect. We played the Regina Rough Rider halftime. Yeah, so how was that? I wanted to ask you how that went. 
Well, it was good, and what a game it was. I'm telling you, it really wasn't that exciting. 12-11? Last minute. <laughs> oh, really? I was going to ask. I'm not, a, I'm not a CFL guy. Don't, don't get mad at me, but I'm, not a, I'm an NFL guy. But yeah. uh, I did check the score when I was doing my homework this weekend, and they, they squeaked one out. They did. They needed a two-point conversion to tie in the fourth quarter. Then once they did that, which is, was amazing enough, so the game is tied. There's like 40 seconds left. And the kickoff, they kicked it into the end zone, and apparently they were playing the Edmonton Elks, and apparently the uh, kickoff return guy is from the States, and he didn't understand about the single point that goes into the end zone. <laughs> I still don't get that. And he watched that. it go over his head, and, and they won by one point. It was just unbelievable. You know, it's, went crazy. it's funny you say that because, I mean, I played high school football, and we kind of had Canadian slash American rules. We didn't have the rouge. We didn't have that. Yeah. We didn't have this one point thing, and I, and I, st- I still don't understand it. So it's when it goes out of the end zone. You get a point? No, I think it needs to stay in the end zone from what I understand. But if you oh. don't run it out, then it's that's it's a point. Yeah, that's what a point. way to lose. Oh, oh no kidding. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> didn't sleep that night. <laughs> Probably not. No, it's been a long ride back to Edmonton for him, I think. So I'm assuming you guys are all Rough Rider fans. Oh, yeah. CFL like, fans. You know, the thing was, we thought we were actually getting George Reed, number 34, from back in the 70s with Ron Lancaster. He was a... The, the running back for the riders, he still is an alumni there, and he has. We were staying in a pro, in a corporate box, which nice. he comes to every game. Unfortunately, this game he wasn't well enough to come, but we got pictures. I got his helmet on, a picture with his helmet. Oh, cool! Kind of so yeah, we're a huge rough rider fans. Yeah, that's what I figured. You know, it's uh, yeah. you know when I when I mentioned to you Fahrenheit earlier. Uh, yeah. You know, you said, oh, you got, you still do that. And it's because of where I live. And obviously, you know, you come from Saskatoon. I, I don't expect you guys to be huge NFL fans. Obviously, the CFL is is your game, I'm, I'm assuming. We do like the NFL. I mean, you know, I, I like all kind of sports. But, yeah, I get into the – But your heart is probably in the CFL. Your heart's in the CFL, yes, definitely so, yeah. Yeah, we're so America, Americanized here in Niagara Falls. It always drove my wife crazy coming from the yeah. toronto Oshawa area. <laughs> Everything we do and watch and play is, is American. But uh, we have some great Canadian music, don't we? We do. There's – and it's all through the years, like, you know, going back to the Guess Who and Lighthouse and – Northern Pikes. Edward Bear. I mean, there's just oh. so many great Canadian artists. Over I years. forgot Edward Bear was uh, Canadian. They had that yeah. one beautiful song called The Last Song. I always remember. Last Song. Oh, yeah. what a song that was. I still can picture yeah. the 45. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, Things you remember, hey. Why it's funny, eh? Because the kids don't have that. Uh, you know, no, they're getting no. back into vinyl, but we can we can picture the label songs we're on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I say we. I'm assuming we're closer to the same age. Um, yeah. So now, other than the Northern Pikes, you have another job. I noticed when uh, creeping through your Facebook, you mm-hmm. you and your wife Jacqueline have Sky Blue Productions. Uh, what exactly do you guys do there? That's pretty cool. Yeah, we um, well, several things. We, we my wife's a, a still photographer, and I'm a videographer. So for many years. Well, we were still living in Saskatchewan. We've been gone now for 13 years, actually, yesterday. <laughs> July 10th of 2010, we sold our house. And wow. We were building homes. We built six homes over, we started in 94 till 2005. We sold our home up at uh, Morin Lake, which is an hour and 50 minutes north of Saskatoon, in the up in the tree in the hills of Saskatchewan. Right. And we went snowboarding. We went five years. We were living in a fifth-wheel trailer, 
And we went down to California and came back in the summer. We had a quarter section of bushland still where we, we were going to build our next house. Cool. But as you know, as the years went by, we decided to sell that, and we got a place out in British Columbia, just by fluke, a nice little small. It's a tiny home, basically. So we've really scaled our life right back down to, to living in a, a very small home, smaller than the bedroom we had in our last home, if you can imagine. Wow. That. So, <laughs> How did you manage yeah. that? That's, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's actually just, um, I don't know, we, we really just realized that how much space does one person really need? And uh, for us, we realized I we totally didn't need agree. that much space. I can't set my drums up, which is a little bit of a, you know, the downside of it. But on the other hand, I'm always, you know, I'm either clanging clanging my teeth together or drumming my wife will ask me so what are you drumming what song are you drumming (laughs) i've always got music in my head right right right. and i'm always listening to music they pull out the pots and pans too well exactly you know jesse cook does that there's a great video during the COVID lockdown where jesse did a bunch of videos for his songs and he's one song he's in the kitchen he's got all sorts of pans and really shakers yeah it's it's really cool i gotta check that out cook fan Oh, I got to check that out. Now, I also noticed it when when going through, you know, your uh, LinkedIn and your and your Facebook profiles that you you look it seems like you're a dog person. You got a beautiful collie. Yes. Right? Well, she's a Sheltie. A oh, Sheltie, sorry. sorry. Um, yeah. That's what I yeah, meant. Yeah, Roxy's her name and uh she's our third. We've since 1992, we've had well, three Shelties now. One male and two females. Oh, there aren't they the best. I've got a 14-year-old. It's our first dog and he's you know he's nearing uh, the end of that's his life getting up there 14 years hey? yeah i know he just turned 98 yesterday <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so I told him you're you'll be 100 next week but a week <laughs> <Yeah>. or two <laughs> and you're also a grandpa yes i am twice now yes how cool is that i saw those yeah pictures. very cool my daughter's in australia like i mentioned so yeah. they're coming here now so it's we haven't seen them since 2019, and I haven't seen my newest grandson, Jet is his name. Jet, yeah, I saw Jet that. That's a very cool name, by the way. Yeah, it's very cool, as in the song Jet by Paul McCartney. Um, and he's one. He just turned one on June 30th, and Noah, our oldest grandson, he's nine and a half. So, wow. yeah, so it's you're... hard when, you know, but because of FaceTime and or Zoom or whichever, right. you know, chat you use, it's amazing, really. It's the next best thing to, to being there. So that's been helpful. So as grandparents, do you guys utilize both of those tools a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's, yeah, I mean, the, the world has changed so much that way that you do feel like you're still connected. I mean, I have clients. Yeah. I never go to their, we never, we never meet up anymore. It's just all Zoom and you get your job done. And But for family yeah. and, you know, we've got family in Italy, we do the same thing. And, and, and it just feels, you know, a lot closer. Well, it does. And you know, my my mom had a brother who lived in Australia. He moved from Saskatchewan back in the late 60s, early 70s. And in those years, I remember, like, calling collect, like, was expensive. And it was... Right. And you never really did it that much. And they, they only visited him twice in that whole time from, like, till oh, 82 wow. when he passed away. So... I feel fortunate that that we're living with this technology where we can just, and it doesn't cost anything besides your right. whatever your. You think to you. when you think about that, it's true. Like I, I actually put you. It's weird that you say that because I actually when I put you on hold and I was like, oh my god, he's in Regina. If this was five years ago, you'd be going, oh, my yeah. bill's going up. Uh, can, you, can you hurry up and get through your intro? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a different world. See, technology it's is good. World. And and yeah. so with your business. Um, I noticed that you, it says that you do editing in, in stuff of the videos. Yeah. I was so doing, you're into technology um, yourself. 
Well, yeah, it's I've edited a, a fair amount of the Pikes um, material that you see either on social media, um, and you know, I also was editing for my son-in-law down in Australia. He was uh, he was uh, uh, an, uh, he was a coach of a financial coach, basically, and he right. would um, do these seminars where people would come and, and pay to be a part of the weekend seminar. They'd film it, and I would edit it. And now I'm filming one again. He's now since COVID's over, everybody's getting back to normal. He's coming to Vancouver in September, so we're back to to filming live events again. So nice. yeah, we try to keep busy. We haven't done as much. I was going to mention earlier that my wife and I were doing wedding photography. Right. We had done school pictures and dance, um, creative dance like ballet, jazz, and tap for their formal photos every year in Saskatchewan. Um, but since we started snowboarding in 2010, we kind of laid back a bit on that and uh we're looking to get back in it again we'll see how it goes well she takes some beautiful photos i've seen some of them gorgeous wedding photos so. yeah well again it's the technology too with what right. you can do with the photo. Yes. you take the photo and then you spend more time obviously <laughs> kind of like music you know yep. it doesn't take yeah. necessarily that long to record something it's afterwards it's mixing it's trying to enhance it make it you know, if it's a photo or a video, you make it look better, sound better. And same with music. You try to just bring out, like we were, it's interesting listening to Girl with the Problem acoustic version there just on the phone. Um, you know, when it's, it's a hard thing when you're um, recording because most musicians will say that when you're tracking songs, you usually record far more than you end up using, using in the right. final mix. I, yep, I see Because that you with just my don't know. You try, and sometimes you'll spend a day on something and you won't even use it because it just doesn't work in the mix, you know? So it's, um, but that's part of the pain and the glory of um, creating art, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's all the time you spend wondering about, does this work? Does this work? The end result. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I'm, we're just finishing my son's album and uh, uh, they're in the mixing stage of the final two songs and (laughs) everything you said is bang on. You know, some stuff gets left on the cutting room floor. You tried it. It didn't work. You tried to bring it into the mix or, you know, yeah, no, it's a, it's a cool, cool process. All right. Well, so in my deep dive this weekend, I read that the Pikes were formed in 84 and you came into the fold in 86. Now I, I know the story, but tell the folks, you know, uh, what you were doing before you joined, joined the P- Pikes and, you know, how that came about when Gary left or Glenn left. Well, yeah. Okay. So before, well, first of all, I started basically playing drums in grade eight, which was 1975 in Saskatoon. I was going to a Catholic elementary school and a new guy came to the school. Larry Burke was his name. He came okay. from, oddly enough, from Vancouver area, from uh, Ladner. And you know, we were getting ready to, to have a mass, set up to, to do mass in the school, and someone asked, can anybody play guitar for some of the hymns? And Larry put his hand up and says, well, I play guitar. And at that point in grade eight, so I was basically 14 years old, my, my older brother Roger had a drum set, and I kind of banged around a bit, but hadn't really played that much. And so Larry could play really good. Right. It was easily noticed in that lunchtime, is like, okay, can you play wine songs? Can you play BTO? And he could play all these songs and sing them as well. So then he came over to my place, and my dad had an electric guitar, a silver tone. Everything was from Sears. When the drum kit was silver tone, sparkle red from Sears, and the amp was, and the guitar. So Larry only had an acoustic. So he brought the first song we played was Proud Mary by, by Creed. It's just him and me, <laughs> yeah. guitar and drums. Cool. In my room with a red light in, with black light posters on the wall and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Alice Cooper pictures. <laughs> and, and I was hooked. It was just, it, 
it was like that. And so we started playing. The first gig we played was our grade eight dance at George Vanney School. Oh, that's cool. And and then in the next year, when we went to high school, grade nine, we started in those years in like the mid to late 70s in Saskatchewan. It was quite, you know, fruitful for bands to play cover tunes, songs from the radio. And you could go to all the small towns or even in the cities and play for high school or town dances. Oh, okay. And 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 actually, you know, you you made some decent money from being that old, you know, fifteen, sixteen years old. In sure. fact, those first years, our parents had to come as chaperones because the vehicle we couldn't like we pulled a couldn't U-Haul fr- trailer, <laughs> yeah. and someone had to you know drive the the van until <laughs> Barry, who was older than we were by two years, until he turned seventeen, and then we could do it ourselves. But so we'd play sometimes four, five, six times a month, you know, just dances across the province. And that's, um, that's awesome that's at such a young age. That's how most musicians will tell you how they get good. And you look at the Beatles playing in Hamburg all those years, playing, you know, five, six hours a night. And that's how you really get good at, at being a musician. And so, Jay, there was a band called The Idols. Right. And yes, one year, I was ask you about that. what the agent did in Saskatoon, Northwind Town, was Dave Beck and Randy Vicarious in those years. And they would hold something called the Northwind Town Showcase. And they would invite um, uh, the SRC, like a, a, a a male and a female from each school in the province. They'd come to this and they'd had maybe 10 or 12 bands play for 20 minutes each at Centennial Auditorium in Saskatoon in the basement, their big hall. And they would decide which groups they wanted for their dances. Right. I mean, it was a great idea. And so the year of 1980, Jay and Merle were in a band called The Idols. And I was in a band called Main Street at that time with Larry Burke and, and Barry Bergsma, and we both played. And he saw me play there, and then he also saw us play at another gig outside in Saskatoon. He kind of thought, I mean, I'm not a very big guy. I'm still small, but I was really small then. He thought it was so cool, this little this little kid banging around <laughs> on the drums. And, <laughs> and so when uh, in the Idols in the summer of 1980, their drummer was leaving, and he met me one day just by fluke at HEL Music in Saskatoon store and he asked if i wanted to play with the idols and so that's kind of how it started with jane merle was and i I joined right then and there okay and um we went till 1982 um broke up for all of 81 i moved out to vancouver with my family and then came back because the idols got back together in 82 we went to 83 and broke up at that point as groups do it's hard to keep a band together i mean most musicians will also tell you that it's it's really a hard thing to keep any group of people together for sure. any length of time because people's plans change and you know your so, outlook on especially life, when you're younger yeah and then in 84 my daughter was born uh, sorry she was born in january of 83 so one year she was one year old when the pike started and they wanted me to play, and I really wanted to play, but I, I was working for a medical company. I was running their warehouse, shipping out medical supplies um, to all the hospitals and clinics in Saskatchewan. Right. And I was married at the time and had a daughter, and I just, I, you know, it was very painful for me <laughs> to not sure. play with the, with the pipes yeah. when they started because yeah. it's really what I wanted to do, but couldn't find any way to financially do it. As time goes by, 84 and 85, uh, my wife and I at the time, we got a divorce. And so what ended up happening was the Pikes agreed to pay my child support. That was the only way in 86, finally, I just, I said to my boss at the medical company, this is something I really want to do. I've wanted to do it since Uh grade eight. And he gave me his blessing. And so the band paid my child support until I could afford to do it, which was about a year and a half. (laughs) 
which was amazing. Uh, Brian, fantastic. Jay, and Merle, they agreed to do that. And so it, that's how it started. In June of 86, I joined. We, um, they had done the first two independents by that yeah, time. Yeah, I saw that, two EPs. EPs, yeah. yeah. And we had record company interest. And by, by fluke, like I mentioned, this um, Northwind Talent Showcase, when I filled in, and quite often I would fill in with the Pikes from 84 and 85 into the beginning of 86 because I knew all the songs. Right. And they were finding it hard to find a drummer that just played kind of like simple, like just, just uh, you know, kind of like Ringo with the Beatles it's, it's, or Charlie with the Stones. It's, it doesn't have to be intricate. It's not Neil Peart. Neil Peart, yeah. I was just although say, yeah. Rush is a great band. It's just that that's not, not the, the songs that the Pikes were writing. Right. So I filled in with them. At this one showcase in 86, where Doug Chappelle, president of Virgin Records, flew out to see the band just because of the two independent records. He liked them a lot, and he, he was kind of hooked on the sound. And when he saw the four of us play, and then he realized I wasn't the drummer because I went back to work after that, okay. he was a little bit bummed out He said because he, he liked the package, the, right, the right. group on stage and now all that sort of stuff. So that's when I quit my job. And, and then... December of that year, we signed with Virgin, and we started Big Blue Sky in January of '87. So, yeah, and then you long were... story. Tried to make it short for it. No, I, that was interesting because I didn't find that anywhere. I mean, I found bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't realize you were in the Idols, and Merle and Jay yeah. were part of that, and you guys were together yeah. before. But I didn't, I didn't uh, actually know the connection. How you know you were actually supposed to be in the Pikes? I thought Glenn left and you came in because you guys. Well, and see, that's, that's a little bit. I, we tried to. Like, Glenn was the bass player, which was kind of odd. Jay had really? surgery on his wrist in, I think, 84. And so Jay found it easier to play guitar. Jay's a good guitar player. So Jay was playing guitar, and that's and Glenn was actually in Main Street, the band that I was in with Larry Burke, at one point, too. So it was kind of like it's a, a big circle there. <laughs> big family. Yeah, musicianship in Saskatoon in those years. But, yeah, so, no, that's how it happened. Now, you mentioned Ringo and Charlie. Who were, who were your biggest influences uh you know, growing up as a drummer, maybe not now, but when you when you first started, were those the guys, or was there? Well, yeah, and a lot of Canadian drummers, Kim Burley, the Stampeders, and uh, oh, yeah. Tommy Stewart, the original drummer with Trooper, um, Rocket Norton with um, Prism. Um, the interesting thing is, when I joined the Idols, I was awakened to a whole kind of new music, basically new wave. Right. I mean, I had started to hear about the Police in '79 with Roxanne and, and uh, Message in the Bottle and those songs. But they were playing, they were like, a, they were Saskatoon's new wave band, the Idols, but we were very much just playing was on the radio, which wasn't that. Right. That was, you know, on the FM channel. We were playing the AM hits. So um, I, I got introduced to a lot of European drummers um, when I met the, you know, started playing the, the Idols tunes that they were doing, the cover tunes that they were doing anyway. They were very different. They were doing XDC and Joe Jackson and, Right. The jam, yeah. Um, also, you know, the diodes, all sorts of groups I had never even heard before, but I loved the style that you know. So it was a good awakening for me. But definitely Ringo, you know, he just turned eighty-three on July seventh. It's just amazing. Uh, isn't that? Yeah, going. he still looks great. And you know, I ran into him in Niagara Falls. Oh wow! He was cool. across the street from my office at a health at a health store buying vitamins because I guess. <laughs> Seriously, I guess his health store is where he gets all of his stuff when he's in the region. He goes there, and everybody. And he he eats broccoli, and he talks about it lots. He's broccoli every day of his life. 
Yeah, I know. He's a, yeah, he's a definitely in great shape health-wise. He's uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's my idol for sure. Yeah, he looks good. A lot of those guys look great. Paul looks fantastic too, so. I know. Paul's 81 now and yeah. we named our first Sheltie Ringo actually. <laughs> really? And and is yeah. is Jet your 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 grand is they that really named after the song Jet? Or the Well, I mean Christine, my daughter, she's a huge Paul fan for oh, sure. Okay. Um, I think so. I mean, I, I don't know for sure if that's exactly it because she has two T's on Jet. Um, yeah, but which is cool. definitely it's part of the influence, I think. Yeah. Oh, very, very cool. So now I, I noticed that you guys, this was your eighth studio album, Time to Time. Uh, you got two yeah. live albums. You did the two. So you guys put out a, a lot of music. What, what's your favorite out of all the, uh, all the albums you, uh, uh, you guys have done that you've played on? Because you've played on everything. Were you on those two EPs or no? No. Okay. No, they had so that. Everything actually, they had that drum machine basically on both of them and and um, with some live percussion. But okay. no, I didn't play on those two. So technically, if you include those two, this is our 10th um, right. studio album. Right, right. Yeah. They all, you know, um, it kind of goes, it changes from time to time. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I say that, but that's the title of the new album. But, <laughs> Pun but as time goes, I find, you know, Neptune, I like a lot, that album. And it, it um, just depends kind of what mood I'm in. Like now with the new album, Time to Time, it's definitely different than any other record that the Pikes have ever done, as Pike fans will know. And that one almost works all the time because it's reasonably mellow album. Right. Um Snow and June, you know, some people still say that's their favorite album, and and I do like it, and that's a good that we spent a lot of time on that record over six months at Bearsville and in Woodstock, New York. Um, we had some great guests play. Garth Hudson played some some keyboards. John Sebastian played um, harp yes, and some... guitar on uh, "Kiss Me, You Fool." Crystal Talia Farrow, who is um, out with Billy Joel for many years and was with John Mellencamp in those years. And Merle and I went when we were uh, mixing Secrets of the Alibi. It was the summer of 88 in uh, Morn Heights, just north of Montreal. And John Mellencamp was on the Lonesome Jubilee Tour. So right. we got tickets to go. And we saw Crystal play. You know, she was percussionist and vocalist and play sax. with. <laughs> and we saw her and thought, wow, if we could ever have a guest play on an album, <laughs> That'd be she it. would be the one. And that's part of being signed to a, a major label, Doug Chappelle made it happen. So she was on the next record with us. It was just amazing. Well, wow, it's funny that was a, I was going to be ask you that later because Gord had Gord Hunter, a, a mutual friend of ours yeah. from the Light of Day Kingston. Uh, yeah, he uh, he was telling me that story, and I'm a big Crystal Telfair mm -hmm. fan myself. She played with Springsteen for a few years as well. Yeah. So she's played with three of my favorites, Billy. Uh, and now I find out she was on. I did not know she was on. Uh, she ain't pretty, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And John Sebastian. Anger with a problem. Anger with a problem. And oh, um, wow. Shotgun Mooring. There's other songs. Like Generally, what we would do in, in those years when we had guests come in is to, to put a song up and just go. If we had ideas, we'd try to guide them through, depending if it's a singer or right. an instrumentalist or what they were doing. And um, interesting story about Garth Hudson. When he was playing accordion on Kiss Me, You Fool, he likes to hum and kind of while he was playing. And so. And, right. To get rid of that, we put a full-faced motorcycle helmet on him. <laughs> so can you imagine Garth Hudson playing the accordion with a full-size No, I can't. Helmet? That's hilarious. Oh, it's just classic. He I was want so a legend, good. too. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was fun. Now, now, 
commercially, uh, Snow in July was probably your most successful, though, right? With the it went platinum. Or Snow in June. Yeah, I mean, I said, that definitely... I said well, snow in July, sorry. Well, you July. know, people have said that, and sometimes it does snow in July. <laughs> <laughs> <So> not far. <laughs> We're in July. You know, it's like me forgetting yeah. the sea on Schmidt. You know, it just happens. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, yes, that that's our still our most successful selling album. And it had three, you know, well, arguably four, if you count Dream Away. There was Shane Pretty was the first single, then Girl of the Problem, then Kiss Me, You Fool. And then dream away. And in those years, again, much music was such a big help for for Canadian artists. You know, to get your video played on much music, it oh, was yeah. just such a it, it just elevated you. Again, record company helped make that happen, and it just elevated you to another level, which is hard nowadays because uh, you know you do I look at it a now. lot. Like we're in our sixties now, you know, and we we had our time years ago, and it's kind of like. What do you expect when you put a new album out for people like us, or or Glass Tiger, or Pursuit of Happiness, or even right. Grapes of Wrath? Kevin's in our, Kevin's in our band, band yeah. now as well as still with the Grapes. It's hard to like your expectations are brought down a fair bit just because you realize that you know there's there's thousands of artists making like even your son Evan. I mean, look at that. He's nineteen. He's that's not what we were doing when we were nineteen, making our own recordings, trying to in our basement. But right. And so you kind of have to let it go and just, you know, your expectations can't be that high because it, you just end up getting sort of depressed over it. And so we don't really have that big of an expectation. We just love recording new songs, making new albums. And if nothing else, it's for ourselves. <laughs> you know? well, and we I, know that some people, hardcore fans, really love it. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. And now I was DJing. At the time uh, when uh, Snow and June came out, so that was yeah. that that particular record was played a lot. I mean, you named all the all the hits in. I played a lot yeah. of your songs. I, I want to thank you for packing some of our dance floors. Uh, she ain't pretty, boy. That thing would <laughs> that, that thing would fill up the dance floor as soon as you as soon as you hit play. But that must have been a fun time. Like I was thinking about that. I mean, that was such a big record. You had so many hits. Amy touring that that must have been that must have been fun touring. Did you play with any really cool bands back then? Like, do you remember? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we opened for again part of the record company um, privilege or whatever you want to call it. The the uh, the nice thing about having that connection is they can get you on to tours. And going back before Snow and June, the the Big Blue Sky album, we were filming the video for Things I Do for Money in East Cooley, Alberta which is just outside of Drumheller. Okay. And we heard word that we were going to open for David Bowie and Duran Duran the C&E oh. two weeks later in August of 88 <laughs> or 87. Wow. And that would have never in a million years happened had it not been for Virgin Records. Really? Yeah. And so other tours, I mean, we opened that. We did a lot of opening tours in the States. Peter Frampton, Robert Palmer, Dread Zeppelin, if you can believe it. And, you know, really? the interesting thing about the Pikes is we... we well, since Snow and June, once Brian started singing, there was three vocalists in the band. And we had enough songs and we just had enough um, versatility that we could play with Peter Frampton, say, for example, or we could play with Dred Zeppelin. And somehow it would work, or Robert Palmer. Right. Or That's true. You're, you know, yeah, your music is very eclectic. There's a, lot of, yeah, there's a lot of different sounds in your albums. I've, I've definitely noticed that from the beginning. Yeah. From, you know, from Teen World to now, there's just so, yeah, there's so much uh, diversity in your music. That's true. So yeah, you were able exactly. to fit into the different bands. That's, 
So who was your, who was the one that really excited you the most that you got to meet? And, you know, I mean, I'm always, I, I see, I was looking at a, a, some Facebook posts the other day and it was uh, Colin from the Trues and, you know, he's at Mariposa and he's got his arms around Paul Langlois and Tom Wilson and, you know, he's hanging out with yeah. all these guys. I'm thinking that's gotta be just so cool to live that life. Like, what about you? Like, what was the, what was that one person that you got to kind of hang with at a show and really? Well, um, Peter Frampton, we did a tour opening for him, but he, that was one of them. Cause we, back in grade nine, I show me the way when that came out, you know, we played that wow. song. Yeah sometimes twice a night for the dances we were doing. So that was a big deal to meet Peter and his band. Uh, Bruce Hornsby, we did another tour. Tom Cochran, we opened for Tom all over Canada. Tom was great, you know. um, That's cool. Meeting Wayne Gretzky, honestly, was one of them. Awesome. (laughs) They were at a gig we were playing in Edmonton after, and uh, they had just beat St. Louis that night in Edmonton. And... Wayne said to me, he said, Greg Millen, I think his name was, was the goalie for St. Louis, and he's a friend of Wayne's. And he said, Greg's a great drummer. Would you mind if he came up and played a couple songs with the band? And so I said, hey, it doesn't matter to me. I'll talk to the guys. So I went and got it confirmed with the guys. And he came up in the encore, and he was having so much fun, it was hard to get him to leave. (laughs) And, you know, one of those things where... I want to get back on my That was a highlight. Meeting Wayne Wayne and Janet was there with him that time. uh, Very cool. The other, the, uh, another time was when we played the Juno Awards in 1991, when uh, after the Snow and June album was out, and we were sitting in the second row, and behind me is Robbie Backman, the drummer from BTO, and he leans over and says, "Would you mind signing um, his pass for his son, who was a fan of ours?" And I was just like, "Wow, you know, and there was Robbie Backman, you know." So that was a highlight for me. Very, very cool. I. I, I... That the lifestyle, just you know, hanging out when you guys are playing festivals, yeah, two or three big bands, and I've always wondered what's that like, you know, being being backstage with all the different bands. We kind of get that a little bit with Light of Day because you know you got a lot of great great artists and they're all hanging out back there, and uh, you know, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah no. And so speaking of Light of Day, uh, I was going to skip into a song, but me and you are me and you are, are, are going well here, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna break it up uh, the way I was going to, but. Uh, you played Light of Day Kingston back in 2000 and I think 15. 15. Yeah. And yeah. How Blue did Martini. You, how did you, yeah, the Blue Martini. How did you uh, hook up with Gordon Hunter? Did he contact you or? Well, I think so. You know, I was trying to think of that myself, how that actually happened. Maybe through Bill Walichka a, a bit as oh, well. Oh, right, Bill. Yeah, the radio. Um, yeah, so. somehow, I, you know, <sighs> had to be through Gord for sure. Um, but that was a great, you know, and my father-in-law, he's suffering from Parkinson's now. He's 86 years old, and that's who we're visiting when we're in Regina. Oh, and okay. it's, it's hard oh, to take him out, him and, and my mother-in-law. She's um, 81, so they're five years apart, and we take him to the Dairy Queen for a milkshake. And, you right. know, <laughs> but it's it's really, you know, part, and that's the nice thing about Light of Day, you know, raising funds for to help with Parkinson's and cancer research and all that stuff, and it's just wonderful. Because so many people, and more all the time, seem to be affected by it, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, I know in in Asbury they also they also give uh, 
some of their money to P, uh, PSP and ALS research. So, you know, they're yeah. doing doing what they can. They do a lot more down there. They've got Mr. Springsteen, so he brings in a he brings in a whole pile of people when they do their shows. But uh, no, it, it's good work. Now, you mentioned earlier we started we were talking about uh, video editing and, and and the stuff that you do. You also donated a a, a video a song uh, from you and the Pikes to our virtual show back in twenty one. Did you put that together? Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. So it was you who put together that video? That was New Year's Eve during COVID, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was during the. It was that fun time during COVID when we could only do things yeah. virtually. Yeah. No, that was something. I, and in fact, I watched it just yesterday, just because it came up in the feed, and I thought, oh, I hadn't watched that in a while. And yeah, it's always interesting trying to edit something without getting too tricky and trying to keep it sort of honest and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, that was fun to do. A lot of that live footage was from the, the Blue Frog studio in White Rock, B.C., which is where we heard of um, debuted our Force of Love album in 2019. was there the first night. Yeah, so. Wow, we definitely, definitely, definitely uh, appreciate what you've done for light a day and you know donate that was a we did we did okay for those two shows considering they were virtual but uh, the two nights were fun and just to yeah. let anybody that's listening know uh, any pike fans that are that are listening you can catch that on youtube just go to the light a day uh, uh channel on youtube and you'll be able to find it can't remember if it was night one night two but watch them both but you'll find the pikes on one of them yeah so it was a, yeah it was a great video and, a, and I, i'm glad that yeah. time is over though i really am it was we did what we could but i'm glad yeah, we're well, back to live music yeah, and I should mention, speaking of COVID, just to start with it and finish with it, is that because it ties into time to time. Our yeah, that's what I was going to go. Yeah, this record right. in 2019 in October in Mahone Bay at Stonehouse Sound, um, which is owned and run by John D.S. Adams, who was our engineer and a co-producer on the record. The, the initial intention was. Snow and June came out in the summer of 1990, so in 2020, that was going to be the 30th anniversary. So that was our plan, was to reimagine and re-record most of the songs from Snow and June to release in 2020. Right. So we started in 2019, came home for Christmas, we're going to start up again, I think it was in March of 20, and that's right when COVID broke out. So it, it basically canceled all of our plans. At least for many months, I think it wasn't until 2021 when we started the second session, if I remember correctly. But That's what as I was those reading, months yeah. were going by during COVID, we we thought it kind of changed our plans from because we knew it wasn't going to come out. Now is the 30th anniversary for the Snow and June album. So then we tossed around the idea of putting new songs on because I mean that's what the band has always been about, really, you know, writing and recording new songs. Right. And so that's how the three new songs came to be, and we thought, well. You know, um, and part of the other sort of issue, problem, whatever you want to call it, is when you're listening to rough mixes of what you're working on, it sometimes is very frustrating because, as I mentioned earlier, you record a bunch of stuff and it's in the rough mix and some things aren't even going to be there in the end mix and you're listening to it. And so it gets a little bit depressing at times because it doesn't sound how it should. It's just a rough mix, it's a guide. Right. But nonetheless, because COVID lasted so long, it just, it was this burden on the four of us that was just like, wow, we, we were kind of sort of, we didn't know what to think about it. And we didn't know if these three new songs fit, like what sense does it make? You're doing seven songs. But then we kind of, we've always been a band that tried to not go by any rules. It's just like you, you sort of do what you want to do, you know, and it, it, 
maybe it doesn't have to make sense. I mean, I, I don't think so. it does because I think I think fa- as a fan of music. And by the way, while you were talking, I apologize. I was trying to set up a song, didn't realize I had the volume all the way up. So I apologize for that little bit of music you heard. Oh no, because <laughs> uh, I, I, I had a so- no, I had a I had a song ready, and then we canceled it. So I thought, okay, I'll get the last song ready now. And of course, I <laughs> I had it volume up. But I I think as a fan, I, I mean, I'm I'm it's no secret i'm a huge bruce springsteen fan one of the things i liked about bruce was the way he always reworked his songs he you know in concert you know he'd, he'd do a yeah. song like 10th avenue Frizo, which is a rocker and the next thing you know he's on the piano playing it yeah. and you're like wow yeah. that's a cool version so I, I know a lot of you know some people don't like that there was a lot of complaints at the counting crows concert i just went to and i was blown away by these guys now they came out around the same time you guys did right i guess that yeah. was mm-hmm. the nice and he reworks pretty well every song in concert. I guess it's never really the same, you know, the way he does the songs. And I found that refreshing. Some people were leaving and saying, oh, that didn't sound like Mr. Jones. I'm like, but I've, I've heard Mr. Jones for 30 years. I, I like this. <laughs> it's cool. So do you feel that I way? Know that's like, a you... real, that's, it's a tough thing for artists to, to kind of figure out, you know, like, do you do it like the album or the recording? Or do you sort of make a whole new twist on it, you know? Yeah, and it it is funny how some, you know, some uh, fans get. They just want to hear the record. My thing is, you know, I've got the record. I've heard it. I, yeah. I want to hear mm-hmm. some different stuff, and I, I kind of like that. And one of the things I love about going to watch my son play is that, you know, he reworks pretty well every song. So it's oh, cool to hear. Him. It's yeah. just cool to hear. He's not trying to be, you know, whatever he's playing, you know. I mean, he did a you, – are you friends with Stephen Stanley at all? From the lowest of the low, do you know Stephen? Um, not overly, no. Oh, okay. I didn't I know if you guys, that, yeah. if your paths cross with your music and stuff over the years. But Stephen, Stephen just had a birthday, and so he Evan decided mm-hmm. to do a song live the other night at one of his shows, and it totally different version of his uh, great song Jimmy and the Moon. But you know, people liked it, and uh, you know that, that I posted it, and people kind of liked it. So I like I like that part of it, and that's what I love about time to time. And and you actually kind of crossed into my my question. So during COVID. While we were all doing virtual shows and trying to figure things out, you guys were working on the 30th anniversary uh, yeah. album, and then uh, obviously, did, like you said, disappointed you couldn't get out there and play. So what was it like when you finally got out there, and you put this album <laughs> out, and you finally got out in front of people? And went, Here, this is what we've been doing for two years. <laughs> yeah, well, it was actually pretty much three years. Three years, yeah, I guess it would started. be. Yeah. yeah. Um, it feels good, like I said, listening to Girl with the Problem just on the phone here when you were playing it it's refreshing and we i should mention we had a couple of guest players on this record as well glenn pasha played keyboards and other kinds of cool sounds he's out right now with bonnie Raitt, and he's initially from winnipeg but he lives out near mahone bay where we were recording so that was kind of a fluke and then we had donald mclennan play violin so people, fans, like you've never heard the Pikes with violin like this, I'll tell you. No, no, I, <laughs> and, I, and it really stands out. It really stands out. Yes, it does. Green, yeah. Greenfield is phenomenal. Yes. That one, I love these hands. Those are my two favorites. The two yeah, I love these hands too. Yeah. The most different. Yes, I really love those two. It, it was the one that, you know, I had it out. I was working outside by the pool and had your album yeah. blaring, 
And that one made me stop. And I'm like, I went and looked at it. And, like, <laughs> and it, uh, we put it on repeat a couple times. And it just... Yeah, it's definitely, well, it's, that's what's really nice is having people play what you can't play, you know, and come in and it just brightens up a song, really. You know, it's, it's very cool to do that. Sure, it gives it a totally different outlook. And uh, yeah, exactly. yeah I, I think it's, it's really fresh and it's a, it's a great thing you guys have done. I really, really, really enjoy it. And I'm sure everybody else is now. Uh, you got to one of my other questions. You're you're good at this because you actually it's like you read my mind. I didn't send you the questions, but you were answering them <laughs> as I was going. I'm like, oh, this is good. Uh, so, one of the things when we were talking about the Crystal Telefero uh, story, um, Gord also mentioned that there was a little story with Kenny Arna and his uh, his drums that happened while you were standing oh, yeah. there watching. What what was that? Explain to the folks. Well, so so this is again in I think it was July of '88. Um, we're at Morin Heights, Quebec, and so we get tickets to go see John Mellencamp at the Forum in Montreal. Right. First time ever being in the Forum. And Merle and I were sitting third row right on the stage line, so we looked straight ahead. We saw the mic line, and we could see the side of the stage. And that's – I had my first beer, I should mention. I'm not a big drinker, but I had Merle <laughs> bought me a beer. And it was a nice, cold, frosty beer, and so I, that was my first beer at John Mellencamp in 1988. Really? So anyway, they come out, and they're playing Paper and Fire, I think they opened with. Okay. And it wasn't in that song, but – well, actually, no, it was that song, but it mustn't have opened with that song because it went further into the set. But Kenny Arnoff's drumming away, and I'm watching him, and I'm noticing that it, his kick drum head broke or his pedal went right through. And I've had that happen to me before, and it's oh. no fun. In fact, it's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. So he's playing his right hand on the floor, Tom, to give some bottom end to the groove, and John's looking back at him. And, you know, the, <laughs> the tech comes from the other side of the stage, and they undo the microphone, undo the kick pedal, and they pull the kick drum out while they're playing the song, and the fans are going crazy because they're, everyone's seeing what's Watching happening. Watching it, yeah. And they change the head. Before the song even finished, and brought it back out, put the kick pedal back on, plugged the mic in, and Kenny starts playing. The biggest smile on his face, and the crowd just went crazy. It was just like, wow, <laughs> that is live. Wow, those, I, those guys should have got a, a round of applause just for doing that. That's incredible. Well, they kind of did. Yeah, I guess they would have to do that live. Yeah. Now, is he. Montreal is great. You know, we've had so many great shows there over the years. So when John and the band came out, literally standing ovation for like a minute and a half before sure. they even went into the first song, just waved and just, you know, it was just amazing. Like the people there are just the best in a lot of ways. Oh, know, that's great. I really enjoy playing there. Now, are you a big Kenny fan? Uh, like oh, yes. Yeah, definitely a big, big, huge fan of Kenny. He uh-huh. has a. Much better podcast than I. Uh, have you listened? Have you seen his <laughs> podcast on YouTube? No, I have not. No, it's so good. Check it out. He's had. He's got some. I, I will. I will check it out. Some great, great guests. I'm, I've been a fan of his because I've been a. I've been a Mellencamp fan my whole life, and yeah. He's and I saw him when. It, interesting enough, the two Johns when um, um, John Fogarty and John Mellencamp to it. I, I saw him at the Saddle Dome in Calgary. I forget what year that was, like 20 years ago for sure, maybe even more. And so Kenny's playing with John Fogarty and on tour with John Mellencamp. And I, I'm not sure how their friendship was back then. I, I don't know, but it was kind of interesting just to see him on the same bill right. as a band that he once played with. But Yeah, he's played with a lot of people. And, and the other one when I grew up, a uh, drummer that uh, I'm not sure if, if you were a fan of his was Russ Kunkel played everywhere as well. Yes. Yeah, you know, listen and to Steve Gadd and, yeah. and some of those 
studio players, you know. Um, yeah, you'd be looking at yeah. a Jackson Brown or a Warren Zevon album, and like, oh, there he is again. There he is again. Yeah, <laughs> these guys. Yeah, I'm a huge up. Jackson Brown fan. Actually, he's he's a great writer and a great oh, yeah. songsmith for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Now speaking of great songsmiths. Um, you know, I'm going through your newsfeed, and I, obviously I would have known this without checking out your Facebook, but uh, you're obviously a, a, a giant uh, Gordon Lightfoot fan, and that obviously affected all of you guys. And uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on Gordon uh, moving on? I'm sorry, I didn't, you cut out there for a bit, Dave. Say that one more time. Oh, sorry. I, no, I was saying, you know, you were talking about wordsmiths and songwriters, you know, and you're a fan of yeah. Jackson Brown. Obviously, you were a big fan of... Uh, of Gordon Lightfoot, and uh, that's a big loss. What are your... Yes. Well, actually, Gordon, it's kind of an interesting connection with him because Barry Keane, his drummer, played most of the percussion on our Big Blue Sky album, and oh. I did a little bit myself. But, yeah, so that's how I got to meet Barry, who was a friend uh, of Fraser Hill, who was one of the co-producers on our first three albums, him and Rick Hutt. Um, so Fraser introduced us all to, to Barry, and... Uh, so as years went by, every time Gordon would come either to Saskatoon or eventually in Vancouver or sometimes down south when we were snowboarding, my wife and I, right. I would hook up with Barry ahead of time, and he'd always get us tickets and meet Gordon. And, you know, Barry, the interesting stories, he would always, Gordon, every show, Barry said he'd be there like in the afternoon. He'd be tuning his guitars. He'd be he'd be getting into the zone of, of, How cool of, of the show. Yeah. And this is Gordon Lightfoot, who's been doing this for 50 years, you know, and it, it was amazing. And just uh, the last times we saw him, amazing, kind of give him a hug and shake his hand. And as the years went by, I think we saw him eight times in total. He Every time he's progressively getting more frail. And Yeah. But it was just it was, amazing. Like, he still had tour dates on his schedule when he passed away. Isn't you know? it? So it's, it's incredible. Yeah. He's playing Messy Hall. He was yeah, and I mean, what a legend! And I mean, when Bob Dylan calls you one of your one of his favorite writers yeah. of all time, that's uh, pretty high praise coming from yeah from Bob and John Prine as well. We oh. um, sort of kind of got into him the last few years before he passed away, and I have such a great you know respect for his writing. And all those years, I didn't re really know about him. Um, well, that's but, the beauty of yeah. music, right? Like I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, I've I've been listening to John for years, but you you find these people and you go, why wasn't I listening to this? Yeah, The Trues exactly. is one of those bands for me now. It's like my son got me into The Trues, and I've become just a huge fan of their music. And I'm like, why, why they they play Light of Day? Why haven't I been listening to these guys all these uh, years? Well. That's the power of music, right? right? It, it lasts forever kind of thing, and it hits you when you least expect it sometimes. Yeah, and you go through different periods, too, what you like yeah. and what you don't, mm -hmm. right? So, Now, speaking yeah. of different periods, uh, I'm going to wrap things up, but I wanted to know you know, what's going on with the Pikes. Uh, I did see a couple uh, tour dates uh, coming up, Cornwall and, Thun and uh, Thunder Bay in August. What, what, what's on the horizon for the Pikes? <clears throat> Well, yeah, we have. I mean, we're we could be playing more if we wanted to. It, it just lowers your 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 price that you you play a gig for. And you know, we're, like I mentioned, we're spread out all across the country. So two guys come from Nova Scotia. I come from British Columbia. Yeah. They comes from Saskatchewan. So just the flights alone to play a gig are expensive. So sure. we we're a little more selective, as we say, like in Spinal Tap. You know, we're we're selective <laughs> where we play. <laughs> and Boston's not a big college town and that kind of thing, but. Next year, January of 24 is the 40th anniversary of the Pikes. So what we're hoping oh, is nice. Universal Music, we were signed to Virgin, which ended up getting into Universal's catalog of artists. Right. So what we're hoping they're going to do is release Snow and June on 
some kind of cool colored vinyl for the new year. That's what we're hoping is going to happen. And then we'll just try to do a tour again. Like we're actually, you know, line up a bunch of theaters across the country. And uh, it's just in the fall we did um, in Ontario, we did the Northern Happiness Tour, which was the Northern Pikes and the Pursuit of Happiness. Yes, I, I, it, I, it, great. And that was a great idea because sometimes bands of our caliber, it's hard to like, we don't necessarily sell out every theater we play so it it helps having a co-bill where you get two bands of kind of equal stature and equal time frame most people that like tploh like the pikes and vice versa right so maybe something like that might happen again because we had a great time we each played an hour and you know um it was a lot of fun so maybe we'll try to do something like that again or just go out and do it ourselves and try to just you know so, so well, with Kevin in the band, you could do the Grapes of Wrath. That would be right there. Well, that's a possibility. But he'd have you to know, play they're, twice. They're still playing the Grapes, <laughs> and they're in their 40th year, too, so we're right from the same time frame. Oh, really? Oh, that yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. He'd have to do double duty. Well, he'd get paid double, so that's not bad. Well, he probably wouldn't <laughs> mind that. You never know what will happen. But we, we do want to do some more shows like that. When we did the 30th anniversary Big Blue Sky Tour in 2017, Right. We had a real good production team with us, and we had a lot. We've been, like, in 1987, when we signed with Virgin, we bought a camera. The band bought a video camera, a Sony, I forget the model number, but back in those years. And so we have hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage oh, of crazy things awesome. just on the road and in the studio and filming music videos and all this kind of stuff. So we... We might try to do something like that again and have it on the screens behind us and just kind of show history of, of the band. You know? Great idea. Okay. Now, I just want to let you know where I'm situated, my, this uh, little radio station in Niagara Falls, is right around the corner where I actually met you for the first time and only time. Uh, the Seneca. Yeah, the Seneca Queen Theater. It's right around the, yes. right around the corner yeah. here. And, you know, I brought Evan. He was really young at the time, and he didn't really know much of your stuff, just the stuff that I yeah. played for him prior to and you know the first half of the show was great i remember when you kicked into the second half nobody in that place sat down it was it was a sold out show but nobody sat down you were just hitting hit yeah, after hit after cool. hit it was just a it was it was a wonderful show it was uh I, I wish i had seen you guys a little bit more maybe next time you come around this way we'll, we'll check i think out. that would have been we played there twice the second time was the first night we played a full show with kevin kane as a member of the band Really? You played the yep. the Seneca Queen twice? Yep. Oh, I did not yeah, see that. I think, was he with us that night that you saw us? No, he wasn't, because I have photos. So no, he Oh, wasn't. then you might have seen us the first time. Were we just three-piece then? I'm, uh, yes, you were, and I, I definitely yeah. missed that. Oh, okay. Now, yeah. he's been a great no, addition. It was, in the, uh, it was right before the Big Blue Sky. It would have been in the fall, late summer, fall of 2017, when we played there with Kevin. Well, he's been a great addition to the band, too. Eh? I mean, he. Oh, he fits. You know, it's funny. Like I mentioned earlier, it's hard to keep groups together. It's, you know, chemistry is a weird thing. It's like either it works or it doesn't. As right. Paul said about um, Pete Best with the Beatles, he nearly fit in, but didn't quite. Ringo right. was the guy. It's the same thing with Kevin. It's There's, the, there's no effort. It's like he just. We, we have similar things in common, yet we're different enough that it's, you know, there's. Uh, personality. Everybody likes different music. Sure. Although we have similar groups in common. And that's kind of what makes it work, I think. If everyone just loved and listened to the very same thing, it might get a bit boring, boring after a while. Possibly. Sure it would. 
Yeah, you bring in all the different influences and the different exactly. People. Yeah. yeah, so Kevin fits in just really well. And the Grapes are still playing. They just did the Winnipeg Folk Festival two days after we did the Rough Rider halftime show. So they're still rocking as well. But the two Hooper brothers are the other two guys. And Tom and Chris Hooper are brothers in Grapes of Wrath, and then Kevin, the three of them. So, it's, it's, yeah, they've it's, been together. This is their 40th year. And it's so great to see all these bands in their 40th and 50th year. You know, playing, yeah. still playing music. You know, Steve Miller was just here. And he's been around forever. And I'm actually oh, going to see Frampton in a few weeks here in Niagara Falls because we've got a new theater. So we're starting to get some big bands. And uh, yeah, everybody's still playing. It's still sounding great. I mean, I saw Springsteen a few months ago and man, he's, he sounds as good as ever. It's, it's, yeah, it's, and seeing Bruce over in Europe, isn't that great? Just played Hyde Park. Oh, you see all those people that were at that I show? Know. The yeah. who's who that were at the show. That tells you something. Well, listen, Don, I know you're, you've got family there. You've been gracious enough to give us all this time. And uh, I want to thank you, first of all, for the Light of Day team uh, for you know participating in Light of Day and, and, and helping us uh, with the cause. I really appreciate that. But also for your time today. Uh, we've we've uh, gone over. I've, I have yet to have a show uh, end at five o'clock so you kept the streak <laughs> alive i appreciate that it's because we got such great artists with such great stories we could go on forever oh you're welcome very welcome well all the best uh, uh you know uh looking forward to seeing some photos of you and the grandkids on facebook that'll be you, awesome you probably will yes you will <laughs> all right well all the best don thanks again for your time and uh, we'll talk to you further up the road all right sounds great dave thank you thank you sir Oh, that was Don Schmidt from Canada's Northern Pikes. And they had the album Snow in July. I'm kidding. Snow in June. I actually have it typed Snow in June everywhere except that one spot. So <laughs> it says Snow in July. But, you know, maybe they could make a second, ver you know, a second album and, you know, sell it as Snow in July. Nobody would know the difference. It would be like a collector's item for people. I'm always thinking marketing. Anyways, I want to give you a quick update before we say goodbye today on the Light of Day Canada. Uh, we'll be announcing our full lineup. I think we're going to do that next week on our show. And next week's show, we have the two Jakes, Jake Thistle from Asbury Park and Jake Matheson from Minnesota two great singer-songwriters. Uh, one sounds like Jackson Brown and and uh, so uber-talented at 19 years old. It's incredible. And then there's Jake Matheson from Minnesota, just a phenomenal singer-songwriter. Look them both up before next week. Go to Spotify, find their stuff. It's fantastic. Uh, both just put out new albums, so I'm really, really interested in trying this doubleheader. Uh, I also want to mention again that one of our Light of Day favorites, Mr. Jesse Mallon, is currently in hospital still uh, after suffering a spinal stroke back in May. And if you're able to help, head over to sweetrelief.org slash jessemallonfund.html. That's sweetrelief.org slash jessemallonfund.html. Anything you can do to help. He's in great spirits. I saw a, a video the other day that he posted thanking everybody for their support, and uh, we, he sure could use some more. So uh, let's do that. And uh, all you artists out there, you know, make sure you do what my son does, you know, throw a Jesse Mallon song into your uh, – into your set and uh, let everybody know they can go to the site. And don't forget, you can catch all of our shows over on Spotify. Just search for Just Around the Corner. 
and right here on 4680q.com. I don't often do this, but I want to thank Rick Rose for giving us this opportunity to have this show. Uh, it's been great talking to all of these uh, unbelievable artists and hosts that have graced uh, the stages of Lighted Day Asbury and Lighted Day Canada over the years and uh, donated their talents and time. And uh, we really appreciate them, and uh, I really appreciate Rick, who is a Light of Day alumni, and we'll be playing on our Light of Day show coming up. But just for giving me this opportunity, I'm no DJ. Uh, I'm just uh, doing my thing here uh, every week, uh, you know, trying to trying to keep it rolling. But uh, it's fun. It's great to, to learn more about these artists. But the idea is for you to get to know these artists. Uh, it's been a tough time the last few years for these guys. Go check them out on Spotify, you know, listen to their music, and then go to their websites, buy their merch, go to Amazon, buy their merch, wherever you can. The website, obviously, goes normally goes directly to them. So check them out, pick up their merch, their, their albums, their CDs, their T-shirts, and whenever they're in town, support them because they're great people because they support causes. Like Jesse, that's why we want everybody to support Jesse because that's what he does for so many organizations. So do your thing and uh, check that out uh, and check all these artists out. Uh, you can find out uh, who the 20 episodes were if you go to Spotify or uh, right here, like I said, on 4680q.com. Uh, thanks to Don for being on the show to everyone. Uh, thanks to everybody that tuned in. Any any Pike fans, I hope I didn't do you a disservice. Hopefully uh, you got a great interview from Don. You learned a little bit more that you might not. Uh, Don right now is in the chicken or sorry, he's in the kitchen. I wrote this down on my way here. He's in the kitchen right now making chicken fajitas. Uh, I'm going to end the show with one of my favorite Northern Pike songs, uh, a song that uh, I played a lot uh, as a DJ. Uh, and if you're wondering why I'm playing it, well, I guess it's got something to do with Teen Land. From the album, It's a Good Life. Here's Blame the Song. Enjoy every sandwich, folks, and we'll see you next week with the two shakes. Thanks, Don. I went to see a band. She had all of the albums. She was their biggest fan. She left with the drummer in an Econoline band. Playing the song, playing the song, playing the song. Two months later, what did I see when I sat down to watch a little MTV? Her in a bikini with some guy named Shaggy. Playing the song, playing the song, playing the song.
Don Schmidt in the Northern Pikes with Blame the Song. Thanks, folks. We'll see you next week. Like I said, enjoy every sandwich. We're just around the corner.